0: welcome to the dje podcast where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples here's your host devin elder
1: okay on today's show we've got jake harris he's the author of catching knives a guide to investing in distressed commercial real estate jake and i had a great conversation about how he got into real estate his construction Um, beginnings in real estate and then now on the private equity side doing some really fascinating projects, Um, kind of a downtown focus and very deep distress value-add type projects where they're completely turning projects around. That might be turning an office building into a a high-end apartment complex or things along those lines. It's pretty interesting Um, business model and really turning projects around and having a huge impact on the on the aesthetic and the area and of course the value of these projects. So we had a great conversation. Um, I think you're gonna enjoy it. Before we get started, if you want to see future DJE projects that we put out and you're not already in our investor portal, you can go to DJetexas.com and schedule a quick call with our team, or you can just register to get into the portal and we will answer any questions you have and get you set up. That way we can build that relationship and then you can start seeing future projects. Go to djetexas.com to sign up there. And if you're interested in running apartments, buying and and managing these investments. uh, As the operator, we've got some excellent content for you at apartmenteducators.com. There's a video course that I teach there that you can get for free at apartmenteducators.com. So check those two resources out. And let's jump into the episode with
0: Jake. Jake, welcome. How are you? You know, I am fantastic. It is, uh, you know, a bright sunny day in, in California. Uh, I'll actually be back down in Texas uh, next week, but uh, man, it's just awesome sometimes to experience uh, spring. Although I think it's uh, with the allergies and the pollens and stuff like that that seems to be, uh, it's kind of crazy because you can't sneeze out outside anymore. Yeah, or that's right. Like you, know, you got, re- you know, red eyes or something, and people are like, ah, you, you know, COVID zombie, get away from me and be like, no, I promise it's just allergies. Like it's see this coat of pollen on everything. Um, so it, but other it is. than that, I am amazing and fantastic. Nice.
1: Yeah, love it, man. It's it's like a it's like a new curse word. I mean, you can't sneeze or cough in public. Uh, but hopefully we're coming out of that. I mean, we're you know, hopefully coming out of it. 21 2021 is shaping up to be a whole heck of a lot better than last year. So that's that's good stuff. Um, we're going to talk, you, you re- recently released a book. I bought a hard copy of it, uh, caught your launch party. I'm super excited for you and the book, uh, Catching Knives. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail, but let's jump in and talk about kind of your genesis, the genesis of your real estate investment business, right? And I'd like to kind of find out where, um, people came to real estate, you know, they have they been doing it for generations? Did they have an epiphany in a cubicle one day? What, what was it for you that, that got you into this, uh, into this world?
0: Yeah. So I'll tell you a little bit, you know, I, I slightly addressed that in kind of the book because it gives, sure. you know, like you said, some, some reference to that. Um, and I'll give you kind of a little bit more behind the scenes story on that. So, um, my dad's a police officer or was a police officer, retired police officer, uh, not really real estate, you know, family, other than uh, we lived and we bought a really old house, uh, built in the 1800s, a farmhouse. Uh, We lived in a 16-foot camp trailer with uh, three kids for, you know, uh, two and a half years while we remodeled this historic farmhouse or not really historic, just old uh, farmhouse. And so I kind of grew up on a construction site. I can now see how that um, uh, translates in that, you know, 2020 hindsight, how that experience layered into where I am today from a real estate uh, investor and developer and kind of redevelopment. Um, You know, I was in the army, I was given the book, rich dad, poor dad. Um, And it was like that I was looking for like what I was going to do when I grew up. Right. And so that book obviously triggered out this like, you know, light bulb moment, like this is what I want to do. And so I actually didn't get started in real estate after that book. I, I had some limiting beliefs on my own, um, you know, kind of valid, you know, or, 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 you know, valuations. I was like, I'm not there yet. I don't know how to invest into real estate yet. I'm going to go need to learn how to do that. And so, you know, started reading books and doing things and it took some time, took some years. Uh, I actually got into real estate from construction. And so there was a guy, a developer that I knew. I talked to, and I was like, "Hey, I'm 23. I'm you know out of the army, and I want to do real estate, and I want to do this." And he said, "Get into the trades, go do construction." And I was just like, "No, that's not the answer I was looking for." <laughs> I was like, "Sounds like uh, hard work." We're, we're, no, that's uh, and he's like, "Well, everyone." He's like, "Here's the thing. I'm going to tell you. Um, every real estate project involves a contractor." Yep. Everyone, he's like, I don't care if you're moving dirt, you're building a house, you're remodeling a kitchen. There's a contractor involved, and you can learn it through trial and error of getting kicked in the teeth as a contractor taking advantage of you or taking you know too long or hiring the wrong contractor. But he's like the people I've seen that had the most amount of success are the ones that started in the trades and then got into kind of real estate investing because they know. What things should cost and how long they should take, and some of those when you can call BS on on, on that contractor, that um, you know, just say, hey, that dog don't hunt, like what's going on here, and so that's kind of how I started was getting in and working out as a commercial uh, estimator, then a project or superintendent and kind of project manager and working my way up. And then I used that and that salary to invest in the first house that I ever did. And that was in the early 2000s in in Phoenix that I went and bought a house and then have flipped, I don't know, 1,200 homes in 23 states. I put together some single family rental portfolios that we sold off to uh, Blackstone uh, or Invitation Homes and Colony Capital and Tricon and a few other kind of groups. Um, and then kind of growing that from scale. And then now what we do from what's my day job is I run a private equity real estate company that we really invest in secondary and tertiary markets and we identify markets first. And then we're looking for good deals in those markets. So the intrinsic sticks and bricks, we're getting a discount to where that value and sometimes that's value add, sometimes it's distress. And we actually do better at heavy value add I'm just not as competitive in the, you know, um, sugar coating, you know, put lipsticks on a pig, you know, paint carpet cleanup. There's just people that are willing and are better equipped and have better management systems in to go do that. So we're better at the heavy value add converting uses or ground up kind of things and do some land assemblage as well.
1: I love it. thanks for the overview. And that is a that's an interesting on ramp to the equity and investment side. It's kind of there's kind of two camps, right? There's like guys that do work and hang drywall, and then there's guys that um, manipulate excel spreadsheets and and push numbers around and talk to investors. And it kind of seems like that's two parallel tracks where there's not a lot of overlap. And you started on one and and made the jump intentionally, though, sounds like starting with that. And that's um, that's an anomaly I think you know within the people that are running private equity companies with so that's that's got to have helped especially with the types of projects you guys are are doing now um, how's the how's the book been how is the book writing process what was the genesis of that um, you know, it's a great book. I loved I loved reading it. I love following the the personal stories and then the the education that's kind of layered in there as well. But what was that process like for you uh, writing and launching that?
0: Yeah, so uh you know part of it was um I was actually I, I was uh, talking with Tucker Max in uh in Aspen so about 18 months ago. Um so it was G- well, I guess not January of uh 2020. And um, you know, you and I were familiar with the Go Abundance, the Mastermind Group, um, spending time around there, and and you know, David Osborne and a bunch of these other people that have written books. And I was sitting in this room, and I had never even really considered writing a book um, because I was just like, I, you know, I, I like you said, do spreadsheets. I do, you know, kind of things. Like what what am I going to write about? Um, and so as I was sitting in that room, and a lot of these people had said, hey. The, the, this book is is very important to kind of get out into the world and not to say that it's to glorify me as an author, but um, what people want is they want the results and they want the shortcut to that. And so, you know, when they go and read the book, you know, the, the, the catching knives kind of thing is it's, it's, it's a guidebook to distress commercial real estate. And so it is not that they care about me or they're like, oh, I'm such a fanboy of Jake. It is, how do I invest into that and do those deals? And so I was like, I do know how to do those things. I have been doing that for the last couple of decades is investing into that in our last 10 years after the, the subprime meltdown. And so for me, it's been about nine months or so that took me to write the book. Um, you know, kind of from okay, I'm gonna do this and working through creating that content and, and creating that and then going through the editing and then cover design and copywriting and, and things just I, I have no idea ever how to do. Um, one of the, the interesting questions they asked, you know when uh, for the proofreader, what what you know do you want the uh, Chicago, style of of proofreading or, you know, what, and I'm just staring there like, you know, a deer in a headlight. And I was like, I have no idea (laughs) what that means. I was like, sounds fancier than Cleveland. I don't know. I was like, uh, shoes. I don't know what the, the uh, whatever. I was like, so uh, the the fact that, you know, Tucker Max and and their group, as far as helping to, you know, go through that kind of guided process was very, very valuable for me. And so what it does is, yeah, dude, there's been pretty good sales. Like I, it it hit number one, uh, bestseller in a couple categories on Amazon. Uh, I'm looking at it. The data is still trailing a little bit because it's from when it prints and when it ships and, but I can see the Kindle sales. Um, what's interesting is, so it's sold in a few different countries. I got a bunch in Japan that sold, um, I got like $242 in royalties from Japan. Japan's I think all
1: over it. All right.
0: Yeah, it was like 99 cent, you know, uh, Kindle book. So I was like, I, I don't know what that translates. But I was like, maybe it got lost in translation. You know, maybe some of the Japanese think that they're going to be better samurais or sushi chefs because of the knife on the, on the, on the cover there. That alone um, sold I was like, it, But yeah. maybe they're actually interested in distressed real estate. I don't know. But <laughs> the fact that it's hit some bestseller list it is at least from the feedback. I mean, you and, and some other people are are saying, Hey, we like it. We like the message. It's very concise. And then it's allowing us to take that and we're building out, we're doing a free course, uh, a free hour class to kind of give some more concepts on that. Um, so, you know, the, the free class will be on the 22nd. It's in the afternoon. Um, I have the date. So catch knives, dot com slash class and there's a free class that we're doing on the 22nd and then we're going to be doing a half day kind of event kind of like a mastermind thing that brings in some people from my organization shows some kind of case studies um that really kind of dives in a little bit deeper that you can't get in a book i mean it's you know i didn't want it to be a textbook um i wanted this to be a starting point for someone to take action um I think you and I, you know, we, we've spent a, a, some time connecting and, and, the biggest thing is action. Like, I mean, we could read about doing pushups all we want. Like, right. I mean, you know, watch some YouTube videos on doing pushups and the right form and the right technique, but until we actually do something, do a actual pushup, you're going to get no results, real estate. And so many things like in life are about taking action And you kind of just need that to, to, to go for that. And that's what this book has ultimately kind of been a Genesis to get and help people to take some action in a space that maybe they're interested in.
1: Love it. I love it. And you've joining a very small, relatively small group of, of published real estate authors. I say real estate, but published authors in general. So congratulations on getting that out, man. That's, that's really exciting. Um, You want to talk about a deal? I know you you dive into some stuff in the book and we don't want to give away too much there. We want people to go buy the book, but, um, you know, a lot of what we talk about on this show is kind of pretty vanilla multifamily, uh, Hey, we're going to put in vinyl plank floors, paint, two-tone paint, fixtures, plugs and switches, rents go up 125 bucks. We hit our numbers. Everybody's happy. It's probably the most boring real estate, uh, kind of investment model that I've, that I've ever done. Some of the stuff you're doing is like, I I guess for lack of a better word, like some really sexy projects, right? New construction, high-end multifamily, uh, reuse, mixed use, and, uh, that that's cool stuff. It's different. i just to be fully transparent. There's a project you guys bought that I looked at two weeks before. And I just was like, well, this, this doesn't fit our box. We're out of here. And then you bought it. And this place is like radically transformed. It's gorgeous, but maybe, you, you know, I don't want to tell a story. Maybe you could dive in on one of these projects that was like a really heavy lift and a big turnaround.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't fit necessarily your box, you know, that light, you know, or a cosmetic, um, you know, rehab and bump rents 50 or hundred bucks a month. Um, so for, for that, you know, the one we're talking about is the antique warehouse lofts is, so it was an old warehouse um, that had a few apartment kind of units. And I mean, you, you walked it. I mean, you saw the thing. Um, I actually bought it sight unseen. I, I, saw, I saw some pictures <laughs> i hadn't even been there and i bought it i was just part of it was i know the market you yes. know pretty darn well it's in right. downtown san antonio it's in like this you know so to me you know people are like oh you do san antonio you know uh, i was like north san antonio to me is the pearl um right. you know south san antonio is like lone star and i was like i know a three mile radius a scooter ride of San Antonio, and that's very specific to my knowledge. This one happens to be in Southtown on, uh, you know, South Flores and Ceballos. And so uh, I knew where the location was. I was, you know, confident on the valuations by just, like I said, the intrinsic sticks and bricks. I can figure out some of those other things based on the price in which I go in. Um, Part of that is having that work of the construction and so it was a, an owner that had owned it for 20 some odd years. If you're going on it based on cash flows or anything, it, it just non-existent. Like, yeah, it's sure. just like you walk in and it's like floors that are all over the place, you know, windows, there's one unit that's like a 3,000 square foot unit and the other ones are like 200 square foot. And so for me is having that ability to kind of come into it and see it and say, oh, I see what this can be. So we got in and we added a mezzanine level to it. So we added another 2,500 square feet. We added more units to it. We got a more in a consistent kind of thing. Upgraded everything. I mean, uh, upgraded utilities, You know, fire sprinklers. And when we do that, now we're at a premium and top of market rent right. in that market. And so, but it required a very heavy lift. And I mean, a, a year worth of construction of, no cash flow and no anything. But when you go through and where caps cap rates are um, right now, I was just texting, texting, you like they're trading now at like high threes in San, San Antonio's Antonio. in the threes. Yeah. And I was just like, ha, okay. Like, I mean, so that the exit could be unbelievable Right now that we've reset those rents to top a market in that sub market. And it's just like, so And like you said, it's hugely at least satisfying or or kind of rewarding when you see that like falling down. And given it's in, you know, kind of a downtown area, you have that upward mobility to do that kind of heavy lift. When you're talking sometimes the B and C class apartments, you can't put that much money into something. Like there's just no way you're ever going to get over $2 foot rents, you know, if you put in all this luxury things in that particular market. And so that's part of why I determine where those markets are first, where there's upward potential that we can get into those for this particular one, into the twos and, you know, mid twos on rents, a square foot, which then is going to drive that NOI uh, on the exit. Um, and and it's, it's very, very... Um, Exciting, but it also requires that little bit more broad um, ability to see what's not there yet.
1: Hundred percent. The vision required for that is like totally different than your B and C multifamily value add, where you have a much tighter band that you're operating in. You know, you're not going to see too low of a floor and a not too high of a ceiling. Um, and it's 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 like a real service to a revitalize downtown right because it absolutely some of these are eyesores and you're going to create a lot of economic activity by by doing these projects if you look at the cycle of what we call like a distressed you know commercial project what is what is kind of the most challenging piece you know you have your acquisitions your financing putting your capital stack together Doing a project that's not going to have cash flow for a while, um, and, and then kind of through to operations and exit. What is what is the, the the toughest piece of the of the puzzle there as you go through these projects?
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard to pinpoint one is the hardest because every project, you know, a lot you know very unique, and right. I would say the hardest thing for each one tends to move. It's kind of a moving target. Sometimes it's the capital. Sometimes it's the financing. Sometimes it's the discovering and opening up walls and you're like, oh crap, like what they do here? <laughs> like, you're right. like, this is oh, garbage. Um, and so it, it is the ability to kind of uh, adapt. And part of that is, say it's in the distress cycle is you have to underwrite some of those things into your models is to just allow for that to um, happen because guaranteed, I have yet to have a a pro forma that has performed exactly as we modeled. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for 20, you know, years of things. I've never had a pro forma model exactly like that. I've had some that outperformed tremendously. Sure. Some that have been challenged, another underperformed. But it it is like, so you have to be able to build some fluff and some contingency in that, knowing that there's going to be some kind of challenge or undiscovered um, issue with that. Um, so there's ways to come about that. So, um, when you're in distress situations, oftentimes lenders become very, very scarce. Um, you know, uh, we even saw this in, in, um, you know, last year at about this time, you know, when COVID was kind of happening, as just lenders ran for the 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 hills. Yeah, and they like, dried you up. Couldn't quick. Even get a mortgage. Like it was yeah. like, so how are you going to finance something? How are you going to buy it? And so that sometimes takes some creative financing or structuring of deals or using some funds. And I think you know, uh, you know, private lenders you know, some of these other kind of debt funds that are asset based, you know, where it may be expensive for a short time period. And I actually use some, uh, you know, examples of this in the book of some creative financing and ways to do this. And people oftentimes get stuck up on the, you're paying 10% or 12% interest on money. Like, oh my gosh, you know, that's crazy. You know, how low interest rates are right now. But if you're looking at this and saying, yeah, but I'm going to make a million dollars profit and pay $120,000 in interest. Like how many times would you do that? And so it's like, well, yeah, I'll do that almost every time. It doesn't really matter what the interest rate is. If you've defined what your exit plan is and then building some buffers into that, um, it's hard to be very specific and say, hey, it's this is the hardest or this is the hardest um, because it always changes where you have, very awesome location. So you may have the investor's equity, but there's not enough comps to justify it until it's done. And then the right, lenders, right. like like I said, are like, uh, alligator arms, we don't see it yet. <laughs> so you have to then basically, and that's a little something interesting about San Antonio uh, as well. Maybe, you know, it's just turning the corner, But San Antonio people like don't believe something's going to happen, like until it's already done. Like it was like, oh, what's that Towers of America? I've never heard of it. You know, and then it's like, then it's done. They're like, oh, my gosh, look at that thing. Where's that's ever been? And you're like, they've been talking about it for three years. Like, you know, and so it's just one of those things that um, I think uh, is a little bit new to san antonio but it's not necessarily new to you know maybe the the west coast and the east coast uh type of things and the investors and so looking at some of those markets secondary and tertiary with that different set of eyes
1: yeah i love it i love it how as as you've gone through your career um you know there's lots of flavors of real estate investing you've done a lot of them um the space that you're in with distressed investing there's a there's a lot of variables how have you kind of built your tolerance for ambiguity over time? Because there's there's a lot of variables on timelines and uh, construction and and when you're doing these kind of reuse. And you've been at it a long time now, so it's probably normalized. But as you were going through your career, how, how did you build the, the tolerance to say, I don't have all the answers 100%. We're going to make some assumptions, but we're still going to press on. Because I see a lot of most people kind of getting stuck at that, they can't—they can't kind of not have all the answers and still press ahead. How have you? How have you uh, built that?
0: Yeah. So part of it is, um, typically, as distress starts happening, you have more options, more deals out there. Um, it is harder and harder to do deals when the markets frothy and and you know you know you have these crazy compressed rates and deals abounding uh or you know or cash abounding buyers you know and so um that's where we do a little bit more of the development kind of ground up is in those you know frothy market and we know there's a built-in kind of discount to the market like we know there's going to be yield built into that that's why it's just I, I was kind of saying earlier like we don't do really well on that kind of light value add that people are just willing to accept a lower return and so for us our risk profile and the most of our investors that invest with us you know their number one mandate is don't lose my money yep and so when i look at that is distressed investing to me is actually a much more conservative way of investing because we're not speculating on some compression of cap rate or these crazy rent growths or anything like that, the best and the thing, you know, from there, we're simply buying it at a discount from what it's worth today. And so that distress can can manifest or could be created in lots of different ways. Even in good markets, there's distress. Um, people get divorced and they have medical issues and they lose jobs. And I mean, we, we look at that from like, call it a macro event. Like I use this oftentimes as, as an illustration, like Detroit, the auto industry moving out of a town, all of a sudden there's, there's tons of, of uh, distress in that market. Now, how long does that take to actually mature out? You know, that's, that's a, goes into your other parts of your underwriting and assumptions. But sometimes there's, you know, an employer that moves out and there's a little vacuum in that market. And so people go, oh, I don't want to buy in there. And we actually saw a little bit of a window in this last year where, you know, cap rates and some deals got traded at some slight discounts and, you know, to the market of what it was. And so then we, when we invest into the stressed kind of areas, you know, we're typically looking at somewhere 70, 75 cents on the dollar of what we think it's worth right there. And then we just need the market to kind of normalize or, you know, correct those, something's wrong with it. And then that's how we make our value. The increases in the appreciation or the rent growth is then the icing and the gravy on the or maybe not combined icing and gravy, but the the icing on the cake or the extra gravy, you know, that'd be gross, you know, the the gravy and the (laughs) icing. Um, But uh, so that is why it feels safer to us from our risk adjusted return profile. Again, we're going to sometimes not have all that information and that has given partly experience. And vetting out and, and, you know, it's a team sport, like real estate is a team sport. It is not about how much stuff does Jake know or Devin know or somebody is I think the, the collective combined of that, you can bring in some very subject matter experts on what your exit value is going to be on, you know, what your rent up and absorption numbers are going to be, you know, you know, what your construction cost is going to be. So I happen to have the background in the construction, but that still doesn't mean I don't bring in other contractors to evaluate and look at this and see the way that the market's changing. And so, and that's the other big thing that you, you brought up that where people get stuck with not making action and moving forward is because right. they think they, need to know all of the information. Right. And that's why it's like you need to be putting together a team to do that. Where sometimes you can just be the general manager or the uh you know, the ringleader of the the circus monkeys that do it and make it happen in the right direction. And so that's part of um you know some of those keys to to, to action.
1: I love it. Yeah that's such a great that's such a great insight and it it is we can we can model all day long and theorize all we want, but you, you got to go take action if you're going to make this stuff happen. Uh, I love it. So you guys have some educational content coming up. We're going to uh, link to that. The book is Catching Knives. The website. Uh, remind us again, Jake, where can people go to find out more about that? catch
0: knives.com
1: catch knives.com we'll link to that in the show notes and i believe it was catchknivescom slash class we'll link to that as well when yep. is the class is it
0: we talk in may 2021 or so april? there or... is the free hour-long class april 22nd in the afternoon so um depending on that if it airs I don't know. They might record that. I think we're trying to do that to record kind of like that hour long, but then the actual like half day event, as far as that master uh, mind one is May 11th. I will double check and confirm with that, but I'm pretty sure it's May 11th and it'll be on the website as well. And that will be, and so what we've found people that have been reading the book so far, um, who at least are really resonating with this is, um, people that have started like flipping houses or kind of, you know, building some of that momentum, you've done this, you know, that um, it's a little bit of a hamster wheel. Um, You know, you go make 25 grand flipping a house and then you start looking at it and you're like, okay, I figured this out. I can maybe make a hundred grand, a couple hundred grand doing this, you know, making okay. But if I really want to go to where, the next level and kind of start hitting my real things i either need to scale the crap out of what i'm doing here or go to bigger deals and so what i'm i'm finding at least hearing and getting feedback is the people that are looking to kind of get out of you know maybe flipping some houses and get into some of these commercial deals using some of those skill sets they've already built they know how to do that they know how to you know go fix up something now how do they get you know with those commercial terms and what those cap rates are and what all those things mean. And then the other one is, is kind of the high net worth, you know, investor that's, you know, Dr. So-and-so that doesn't want to start with a residential kind of deal is they want to do, they want to do their own kind of deals. And, but they don't want the late night phone calls like, Hey, my toilet's leaking. So they're like, I'd rather just go invest into a commercial deal. That's a million, 2 million, $3 million deal, as opposed to try to either find a $3 million house that is pretty risky or do 10, $300,000 houses. Like they just don't want to do that. They'd rather get in commercial. So that's who we're f- getting feedback from that are ideal for this kind of that half day class that again, that's May 11th. Um, and then we're going to be rolling out some other things, kind of really just taking feedback from the people. Um I've had a handful of people ask for if I can coach them or do some other things like that. So we're working with a team and then maybe some of those things will be available um, via those classes as well, that we can maybe help them get into um, some of those programs.
1: Outstanding. Well, congratulations on the launch. Wish you continued success. We're going to link to this in the show notes. If you're listening You can just uh, not while you're driving, but pull over, click the link in the show description and go right to the website buy the book and get into Jake's world. And these are some really, really cool projects to either be a part of or follow along with. Um, Jake, thank you so much for joining, sharing a little bit of your story. The the book's fantastic. You guys listening, go out and, uh, and buy it. But thank you so much for jumping on. Enjoyed it.
0: Awesome, I appreciate it. Thanks, Devin. And you and everyone on your team has been absolutely fantastic. And so anyone that is out there looking, I highly recommend Devin, his team, DJE, um, you know, man, you guys are world-class. And and it was actually, I was just on another call before this and they were referencing Devin and as a San Antonio market expert. Nice. And they're like, I would rather invest with Devin than somebody that I don't know. So to those people, if you are on the fence or you're considering it, absolutely um, look at what Devin is doing because what he does in his lane is absolutely phenomenal and while he, you know, may downplay the the unsexiness of, you know, that rent growth, there is a very, very valuable uh, component for that specific uh, asset class. So, highly, highly recommend him as a person Dang. and uh, somebody that's investing. So, uh, thank you, sir. Man, I so much appreciate you uh, very, very much. And thank you for the opportunity to spend some time on your podcast. Awesome,
1: Jake. Enjoyed it. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects, and you are not already on our list in in our portal, uh, you can go to the website djeTexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15 minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being Uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. A lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it and we'll see you on the next one. Take care.